0: DJ PK and Chris Camerani join us. Writes for the Athletic, covers the University of Utah, and he joins us right now in the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Chris, good morning. Good morning, guys. How we doing? Oh, we're doing all right. So Kyle Whittingham had his... uh, His first weekly press conference, which I think is because of the early Thursday game. That's going to be the last media availability, right? You're not going to talk to him again, are you?
1: Uh, We will not be hearing from anybody at the U until the clock hits zero, probably sometime at 2 (laughs) a.m.
0: Friday (laughs) morning. At 2 a.m. Oh, man. So uh, did you pick anything up? Did you find it particularly revealing with the ready-to-roll comment? Uh, I kind of thought Moss was going to play, but... Covey I wasn't sure he seemed pretty confident if you take it at face value do you take it at face value
1: um I think so I was able to talk to Britton last week and kind of get a sense on where he was physically and Britton's always an honest guy and I'm I don't know if the the coaching staff necessarily loves that but he said he had been dealing with some residual pain in his knee but it, it had gone away and I just think that's a byproduct of having a you know, major surgery on a major part of your body, and and Britain's a guy that's hasn't rushed back, but he's been eager to get back, and he's pushed the limits, and that's just kind of a, a byproduct of of what he has going on in him in, in terms of his rehab. So, I I would guess if I was uh, if I was a fly on the wall, which I'm not, I would guess he's on a pitch count Thursday in Provo. That would be my guess.
2: So what's this deal about nude water skiing?
1: You can't bury the lead, PK. You taught me that. <laughs> um, so I did a, I did a story on The Athletic that just went up this morning about uh, kind of an oral history on Kyle Whittingham's playing days at BYU uh, in honor of this rivalry game. It's the 100th rivalry game in the history of Utah-BYU, and I personally had never heard stories of what Kyle was like as a player. I'd heard some secondhand stories, so I wanted to kind of go to the source and just uh, reach out to a bunch of guys from the glory days. And uh, luckily a lot of the guys got back to me and um, I was able to talk to Jim McMahon for a few minutes. And I'd heard that if you get Jim on the phone, you'll get some good stories and, uh Jim bless his heart, he delivered and uh, was telling me stories of how Kyle used to take Fred's boat out on Utah Lake and, Jim would just be in the sunglasses water skiing and Kyle would purposely veer the boat towards everyone else and as Jim says quoted, we just give him a wave.
2: Give him a wave. Now that could be taken multiple ways.
1: Could it? That's the Yes. Isn't that you intended it to be taken multiple ways. Well, Jim said it. I was just quoting him directly. You know, I'm just doing my journalistic integrity. Duty. I know you
2: are. I understand. I understand. <laughs> you're you're just the writer of the piece, so to speak.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fired. That's what I say <laughs> every day I show up.
0: So Visek Hammond, the story says, Everybody's got a Kyle Whittingham story.
1: One of your favorites he is. Um, as as good as the Kyle driving uh, Jim McMahon nude around Utah Lake is good. I think Vi's story about almost missing the Holiday Bowl in 1980, which turned out to be one of the kind of premier wins in program history, was really, was really hilarious because Vi was saying that back in the day you could choose not to take the team charter and you could get a, a stipend in order to get some money for, for gas money, for food money, if you could catch a ride down to the bowl game. And Vi basically struck out it was his freshman year and he didn't have a lot of clout within the team and he basically almost got left outside the smith house and he was waiting there everybody had left the plane had taken off and here comes kyle and tom holmo ready to uh drive tom's old dodge i think i think i said it was a charger if i'm not mistaken but i'll have to go back through my notes they're ready to drive down to uh to san diego and kyle and tom are like what are you doing here man?" And Vi said, I don't have a ride. I'm kind of screwed. And they said, "Ah, hop in with us. And they were seniors, or they were juniors at the time. Um, But it was hilarious to to, to think that one of the most important kind of historic games in BYU history, a game that Vi ended up running a punt back for a touchdown in, almost didn't happen because he didn't even have a ride to uh, the Holiday Bowl.
2: What I find interesting, Chris, is Kyle has a very complicated relationship now with BYU. But yet, he has a very intense relationship with many of his former teammates who are very loyal to him and are stuck by him and he them. But yet, the school, with the nature of the rivalry, is sort of fractured to an extent. Have you been able to find that out?
1: Well, I, I think, to your point, what people were willing to kind of talk about was just their personal one-on-one history with Kyle. And I think that goes to show, I mean, if Jim McMahon will just get back to a random no-name reporter within like a few hours after sending out an email, I think that goes to show that, you know, that the impact that Kyle had on not only the program and the school, but his teammates, it it, it went pretty far. And and this this was kind of a theme that kind of continued throughout my week. Last week was just, you know, for no pun intended, throwing Hail Marys and, and you know people getting back. Um, in terms of his relationship with the school, nobody really got into that. I just, I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough. You go back to when you know Kyle was picking and choosing between Utah and BYU back in the day. He chose Utah. I know, you know, fans and some people were upset about that, but it was fascinating to just hear who Kyle was before the headset. And like I said, I'd heard stories of um, how intense he was and how kind of no nonsense he was. So in a sense, he's still that guy today. But just hearing stories of how he was kind of uh, one of Fred's uh, tentacles out on the field and just carrying out these, these, these uh, not hits, I'm not saying Kyle was an assassin on the field, but just hearing some guys kind of describe the way Kyle was an extension of Fred on the field was also cool, too.
0: Chris Camarotti joining us, Utah Utes rider for The Athletic. So you get all these quotes, and you are a deep thinker, and I don't say that to, to make fun or all that, but I, <laughs> no, and I knew you'd do that. I knew you'd laugh right away, but I'm serious. Like you think, and you think, what does that mean? And you think, what does that mean? And you think, well, what do I need to ask? Or what's the next story I can write off of this? So you hear these stories about Kyle back in the day, but it informs you what he's like as a coach. What do you think you know about him as a coach now because you heard all these stories from back in the day?
1: So that's a great question. I've basically learned that Kyle is a slightly less intense version of Fred. I'd heard Fred's stories before, um, but I with being able to hear how Fred and Kyle's relationship was as um, coach player, then you know you heard about how you know Kyle brought Fred on as the coach under his staff in the '90s at Utah, um, they always said that you know Fred was kind of the peak in the Whittingham index like Fred was number 1 without a doubt most intense most intimidating um then Kyle i mean even his siblings have told me he's like he's he's pretty close but it's it's fascinating to see how with every coach where they pick up you know tendencies from who they've played for or who they've played with over the years my guess for me or not my guess but learning from what i learned from this piece last week it was definitely that Kyle is very much his father's son.
2: Yeah, I can buy that for sure. That's his greatest influence. Uh, It's the only time I've ever seen him get choked up when I was in his office talking about his dad a few years after he passed. And so it's still a very... It was an intense relationship and, and to an extent still is. You know, one of the things about Kyle to the public is that he comes off as this real tough guy and he's mellowed a little bit in terms of interviews, you know, and he and I, we like to go back and forth and jab each other, and that's made its way out into some uh, public domain, either through social media and TV, and I know you've seen it. And so you get another side of him. But I'm wondering if you've been able to, to see the side of the stuff that he does out there that is so much behind the scenes, and it catches people off guard because yeah. he does stuff for people, and I can speak to this a personal experience. of He'll do things for you and your family that you don't even necessarily know he's doing. And I think we saw it a little bit uh, the other day when he starts his press conference with a tribute to Brad Rock. Nobody right. told him to do that. He just decided to do that. You been able to see that a little bit of what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, I I've definitely heard some some stories relayed my way and to be honest, PK, that's definitely something that I would love to explore and and write for the Athletics. So I'm not necessarily going to uh tip my hand too much on on stories that I've heard because these are stories that I'd love to, you know, go to Kyle too and say, "Hey, man, like tell me what's going on. You're not this you're not totally this scary intense dude that ride this huffy bike back to the Eccles football complex after scrimmages at, you know, rice Eccles. But, um, to your point, yes, he does a lot. And I'm guessing he would love it to stay in the periphery yeah. and not in the forefront. And that's just his personality. And that, and credit to him. And like, like I said, I'll probably go to Kyle and say, Hey man, I want to talk to you about this. And he can say now, nah. and then I'll say, okay. And that's just kind of part of my job. But, also, part of my job is, is kind of being able to peel back the curtain a little bit and go beyond the X's and O's. As much people love the X's and O's, trust me, I know. To me, I'm more fascinated about the, the sports as a mechanism to who people are.
2: Yeah, there's a million stories out there like that uh, that I could share that I've been, I've been exposed to with this guy and the stuff he does on the side that nobody knows about. And what's ironic is that when I was a freshman in high school, I owned a Huffy bicycle. I mean, that's incredible.
1: <laughs> I, think I, I think I had a Huffy when I was a kid, too. I think it was a little earlier than high school.
0: So you hear all these stories, and there's funny stuff from his playing days, and there's, um, uh, there's the touching stuff he does now for people and yet when he puts the headset on during a game, look out. Uh, yep. did, that, did that come through in all these stories, too?
1: Um, not. Re- I mean, it was more just a, a focus on the playing days, so late 70s, early 80s. Um, but one of, my, one of the other favorite stories that I got was from Greg Peterson, who was a former defensive back. Uh, he was the lone Canadian on that, U- that BYU team back in the day. And um, he said that at practice the wide receivers would always get yappy and talk trash, go back and forth. And eventually this, this one wide receiver who he didn't name kind of just kept going, kept going, and Fred kept hearing it. So eventually Greg said that he saw Fred just kind of nod at Kyle during practice. And back then practice was like a game. Like it was full on, full pads, knock the other guy out. So Fred looks at Kyle, Greg says, and the ball's hiked, and this dude's coming across the middle on a crossing route. And he said just Kyle just levels him to the point where he decleats him, basically, and he's, his feet leave the ground, and he comes down on his back and gets the wind knocked out of him. And uh, Greg Peterson looks over at Fred, and Fred just has this giant grin on his face. So it, it, it's not necessarily a headset story, but I can definitely see Kyle enjoying something along those lines now as a head coach.
2: Mm, You want headset stories, you need to talk to Troy Taylor. He can give you a few. (laughs) Where is Troy these days? Is he in Sacramento? I love Sacramento. Sac State, yeah. They got the Devils in week two.
1: Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm guessing Herm's not going to Sacramento.
2: No. We're coming after you, Troy. Troy would never (laughs) tell you those stories, but I heard them during the two years
0: that uh, he was coaching under Kyle. That's for sure. (laughs) <laughs> Chris Camarani joining us here Utah Utes rider for the Athletic uh, do you have any uh, little bits of wisdom to pass along to Ute fans uh, you said you Ooh. know they love the X's and O's anything you can tell them about the rivalry game Thursday night what are you What are you watching for the specific players matchups situations that intrigue you
1: uh, I'm guessing I'm just going to say the whole game no um, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how Andy Ludwig's offense looks the first few drives. I think that's the most one for me. I think Utah's defense is stacked and filled with future NFL talents all over the board, and those guys were in that game last year, and they're probably a little mad that Zach Wilson made them look bad for three quarters. For me, the story of this game is going to be how Utah's offense gets going in Andy's first game back. Kyle said yesterday they're they're run-first team, and they have a they have a lot of good options at running back. I mean, even behind Zach, Devontae, Henry Cole, Jordan Wilmore, even Devin Brumfield. These are all dudes who are kind of from the same mold: small, stout, strong, fast. Um, so I'm fascinated to see if Andy comes out and, and tries to push around that BYU defensive line, or does he mix it up and get Tyler comfortable with a few throws? Uh, we'll see. I, I also think it's going to be huge if if Britain isn't a hundred percent and can't, you know, play the entire game to his full 100% capabilities, uh, who steps up on the, on the outside. Cause they're going to need some wide receivers to make some big plays, to open it up for the running game.
2: I just found it fascinating that Lee Corso and Chris Camerani, two leading experts in college football, <laughs> both picked the Utes to go to the playoff.
1: Oh, did they? Yeah. 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 Uh-oh. Yeah. They're, uh, I've heard that they know they're to No, gonna, they I'm do. I'm going to have to go on the, the athletics somewhere and see where Chris wrote about that. that that's probably a pretty red story. <laughs> well, I don't know if
2: he actually wrote it. He just told me oh, okay. one day where we were killing oh, okay. time.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah it was, I thought maybe
1: that, was, that, was that on the record or off the record? I don't remember. Uh, somewhere in between. That's where I live my okay, life. Okay, in between. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the gray zone? <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's a funny line, and yet it's true. <laughs>
1: Few people can master it the way PK has, I'll say that. There it is.
0: All right, Chris, we appreciate a few minutes, as always, and then you can uh, check out your story on The Athletic for all the stories about uh, Kyle from back in the day, guys who knew him in the 70s. <laughs> Thanks
1: for having me on, guys. All I right. appreciate it.